Can't find anything. Psalms 145, David's Psalm of Praise. This is an inspired Psalm of Praise. This is not all of the Psalms in the Bible are have a title, and not all of them are attributed to David, but this one is. It's an inspired declaration of praise from David. We've already read it uh, in the opening reading, so we won't take the time to read it again. But I want to walk through this psalm with you this morning, and let's taste together the inspired praise of Jehovah. Let's notice a few things. First of all, in verse number one, David says, I will extol thee, my God, O King. Extol. That's a word. I don't know if I've ever used the word extol. I was thinking about it last night. Did I use the word extol? What does that word even mean? I would think it means to lift up, and that's what it does mean. It means to raise the standard high. It means to praise enthusiastically. And what David is saying here is, I will enthusiastically praise you, my God, O King. This idea of extolling is kind of like a little kid who comes home from an amusement park or something, something fun they've been doing or the first day at school, and they come home and they're excited, and they're just rattling on and on and on and on about it. They're just, you're just, they just won't quit talking about it. This is a, when Mitchell first started his job down there at Viridian Coffee, he came home telling us all about coffee, all about the people, all about the cool stuff. And I remember thinking, I wish you'd shut up. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing about this place, you know. Next thing, I feel like I could make a cup of coffee down there, I, you know, because I've heard so much about it. All this extolling, and, and this happens with us when we're really excited about something, when we've come to taste some delightful experience in life. And this is what David is saying. I will extol thee, you. He is thrilled with God. This idea of extolling means to rave about something. He is really, really taken with the Lord. He's thrilled with God. He knows God in a deeply personal and powerful way. Notice that David also has the duration of his praise. In verse 2, Every day will I bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. David's God is is really something. Because he will not be quiet about it. He, now, now, this is something David says, but it's not something David does. Have you found that your talk doesn't always match your actions? We, we promise high. <laughs> now, if you, those of you who, who've been married or, or you know, been, been in relationships with people, you've, have you ever told somebody who you love very much, I'll never do that again? <laughs> I've said it so many times, it's a wonder that lightning doesn't strike me dead every time I say it. I'll never do that again. I remember my dad, would, he would be giving me a spanking when I was a kid. And he would be telling me, you know, give me a spanking for disobeying him or not doing what he said. He'd say, now am I ever going to have to speak to you again about that? And here you are getting a spanking from your dad. And he says, am I ever going to have to speak to you again about that? What are you going to say? You're going to say yes? <laughs> no, you say no. Now did my dad ever have to speak to me again about it? Yes, he did. In the same abusive way. <laughs> we talk, we, our talk is often higher than our behavior. But this is David's, David's objective. I think if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, your ambition is to be a great Christian. 
Your ambition is to be holy, to be clean, to be sweet, to be kind, to be all the things that you ought to be. That's your ambition, I think, if you're a Christian. I hope that's your ambition. Do you want to praise Him every day? You're thrilled with the Lord. David has come to know that God is really something. He is worth the time. He's worth the attention. He's worth the praise. Now, the the next thing I want you to think about here is this word, speak. Speak. David is wanting to talk about it. In verse number 5, David says, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. He says, this is what I am going to do. I am going to lift up your goodness, your greatness, the majesty, the, the perfections, the stirring scene that you have created in this world, your works. Now, I don't think David, David may be talking about extolling the beauties of creation. But I'm not sure that that's what he means. Because there's something more glorious than creation. The world we live in is awful pretty, isn't it? It's so beautiful. So beautiful. But I want you to think about this. The world as we know it is the result of a worldwide flood. The terrain, the shape of everything, shaped by a flood. This beautiful world is flood damage, and it's still incredibly beautiful, isn't it? Still incredibly beautiful. Think about what it must have been before the flood. The garden of God. What a place it must have been. Way prettier. Way prettier than what it is now. But David says, I'm going to speak of the wondrous works of God, of his majesty. What has David come to know from God? David has come to know how God has been with him, how God has walked with him and kept him and preserved him and nurtured him, and most of all, how God has saved him from his sins. David says, I will speak of you. In verse number six, David says, and men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts. And I will declare thy greatness. Men will speak of the actions of God. Remember when Israel was coming out of Egypt? They came right to the edge of the Red Sea. Not the Red Sea, but they, they, came, to, they came to the Red Sea, went through it. And, you know, God parted the waters. And then God killed Pharaoh and his armies in the Red Sea. They went right over to the Promised Land, sent 12 spies into the land. And the spies came back and said, we can't, you can't take the land. We can't take the land. The giants are too big. The people are too many. And then 40 years later, when they finally entered the land of Canaan, Joshua sent two spies in there, and they went into Jericho, and they talked to a lady named Rahab. And Rahab said, we've been scared of you guys and your God for 40 years. We've been waiting on the hammer to fall. They knew all about God's terrible act, his awesome judgment against Egypt, how he destroyed the king of Egypt, how he destroyed other kings. Men are going to talk about God's awesome acts, his terrible, fierce acts. In verse number seven, David says, They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness. Now, this is something I think is so special. The memory of thy great goodness. You might be at a spot in your life right now 
where you don't think God is being too good to you. You could be in that spot. Your current situation may not be too great. May not be too great. But if you sit down on a stump and think back through your life, you know what you're going to find if you've been walking with the Lord, if you're a Christian? You're going to remember when God was good to you. The memory of thy great goodness. One of the great things that keeps us praying and and expecting God to answer current prayers is remembering how God has answered past prayers. I've prayed so many prayers that have been unanswered. Anybody like that? But I have prayed a lot of prayers, not as many as the unanswered prayers, but I've prayed a lot of prayers that have been answered and answered sometimes so fast that it blew my mind. It's the memory of God's goodness God has brought us to this place. God has carried us through all these different obstacles and hurdles of life. God is with us. The memory of thy goodness will be rehearsed, will be shouted. They'll be uttered. They'll be told. Here in this room, I've been been around you guys for a long time. And I've heard stories of how God has worked in your life and how God helped you, how God got you through, how God provided in different ways and unusual ways. God's working. We're uttering the goodness of God. We're talking about the things that God has done for us. That's what we do. We have met a God who is real and who is active in our lives. And everyone who knows God, everyone who really knows Him, is thrilled to speak of Him. So here's a question for you. Are you this morning thrilled to speak of Him? Do you like to talk about God? Now, we, we kind of grew up with this unwritten maxim. There's two things you don't talk about. What are they? <laughs> Politics and religion. I'm going to say this to you, friends. I am 100% in favor of not talking about politics. I'm in favor of that. But we need to talk about religion. And I don't think you need to get out there and try to beat people into a, a in the corner about being a Baptist or being a being premillennial or, or whatever. But we should talk about God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and how He has come into the world and saved our wretched, rotten souls, washed us white in the blood of the Lamb, made us clean and holy, given to us righteousness. 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 Because right now, through faith in Jesus, you are righteous. If you don't have your faith in Jesus, you are unrighteous. You have no righteousness. But if you put your faith in Christ, in Christ alone, you are righteous, clean, pure. And this this is what thrills us about God, is that God has condescended. He has come down to you and me. It's Luke 19.10. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. There in Luke 15 Jesus said, there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents and turns from their sins and comes to God. Man, that's thrilling. It's thrilling to me to think about salvation because I know exactly how rotten I was (laughs) and how rotten I am. I know me. 
You know you. And so does God. And God, in His great mercy and grace, He reached down from heaven and set His love on you in your self-righteous sin and caused you to see the truth about yourself. Is there anybody in your life you don't really care for? Anybody like that? Have you ever seen somebody you didn't care for and you're you're someplace where they are and maybe maybe they've maybe they've something there's something they maybe they have some clothing on that you know isn't fastened properly (laughs) or they got some food stuck to their cheek or lodged in their beard and you see it but because you don't like them you don't say anything you let them walk around all day like that You see, God saw all your, all your yuckiness. And he reached down and took you to himself. He found you in the gutter of sin. And all of us come from the gutter of sin. The gutter of sin is not being, in, being a drunkard or a doper or, or being an immoral person. That's not the gutter of sin. The gutter of sin is where we're all at. We're all unrighteous. When God came down, he reached down the gutter and he pulled you out. And he wiped you off and washed you. It's Ezekiel 18, where Jehovah says, I passed by Israel. She was like a baby who'd been born, but nobody loved her. She was thrown aside. She was covered in the afterbirth. There was blood all over her. There was no one there to pick her up. No one there to wrap her in a soft towel. There was no one there to rub salt on her, to purify her. There was no one there to care for her. There was no one there who would say, live. But I passed by, and I found you in that horrible condition. And I said to you, live. And I took you, and I wrapped you, and I washed you, and I swaddled you, and I salted you down, and I gave you jewels, and I gave you clothes, and I took care of you, and I made you what you are. My friends, that's what God has done for us in salvation. Snatched us from the gutter and put upon us the righteousness of his son. Thrilled to speak about the Lord. Do you know him as a savior? Do you know him as the friend of sinners? Now notice what they say here. They say, verses 8, 9, and 10. They say that the Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. Not just he is merciful, but it's the word great mercy. It's very deep mercy. The Lord is good to all. All. God is good even to those who hate Him. He's good. His tender mercies are over all His works. That means that God's mercy colors all of His works with man. The world we live in and the culture we live in is constantly becoming more and more corrupt. More and more corrupt. 
if you, uh, TED Talks are really popular, but there is a, and it's, they're really fascinating to watch. I've seen a bunch of them. To give you an idea, this is just a sample of how corrupt the culture is. There was a, a psychologist, and she gave a TED Talk that was defending pedophilia. Not, not opposing pedophilia, defending pedophilia. And, and, this, and this psychologist was permitted to stand on a stage in front of a great crowd of people and give a defense of pedophilia. In what world, if you were down at the mall, and there's some guy down there on a corner shouting everybody that pedophilia was okay, giving a defensive pedophilia, what do you think is going to happen to him in Latin America? <laughs> well, there's enough dudes with hog legs <laughs> and short fuses. I mean, it probably is not going to go too well for him. We hope. But chances are there'll be somebody who'll prop up and go, just listen. I mean, think about what we're just tolerating, talking about. Why hasn't God zapped this whole world? Why hasn't he nuked us from heaven? Mercy. Mercy. So, so merciful. So merciful. They say the Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. He's good to all. His tender mercies over all his works, and all of his works praise him. And the saints praise him. The saints praise him. Now notice what God does. What God does. In verse 14, the psalmist says, that the Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The fallen, the fallen. And I, I believe David here is talking about the believers who have fallen. Fallen into what? Fallen from where? Well, they've fallen into sin, fallen from the good path onto the wrong path. Fallen. I've been a Christian for a long time. And I know about fallen. Falling into sin. Falling into bad behaviors. I mean, I know. Do you know? <laughs> Are you a real person? <laughs> Are you honest with yourself? Falling. You say, well, I've never fallen like other people have fallen. You know, falling in thought is the same as falling in deed. The thought of foolishness is sin. That's in the Proverbs. The thought of foolishness is sin. The dream of foolishness is sin. What does this God do? He upholds all the fall. He raiseth up those that be bowed down. He comes to you. Remember? Remember Brother Peter in the New Testament? Jesus said to him, Peter, I'm going to go be crucified on the third day i'll rise again and peter said hey hey no you're not 
That ain't going to happen. We ain't going to let it happen. And then, later on, the Lord said, Tonight, everybody's going to be afraid. Everybody's going to abandon me tonight. And what does Peter say? Lord, everybody else may leave you high and dry, but not me. I'm there through thick and thin. And what happened? Jesus said, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Not one time, not two times, but three times. What does Peter do? Is that, exactly, is that not exactly what happens? Denies the Lord three times. And then when Jesus rises from the dead, there's old Peter. The Bible says when, when, when he denied the Lord the third time, he heard the cock crow, heard the rooster crow, but he went out and wept. Because he realizes what he had done. And then for three days and three nights, Jesus is dead. Jesus, in his resurrection, only mentions one person by name. He says, go and tell, guess who? Go and tell Peter. You go and tell Peter that I want to see him. That was Jesus lifting up the fallen. Peter, who had denied him, who had denied him, who had denied him and abandoned him in his hour of need. Peter, who said, I do not know him. He's not my friend. Jesus said to Peter, even though you denied me, I'm still your friend. (laughs) I am still your friend. And I want you to come to where I am. Lifting up the fallen. He helps us. He feeds us in verse 15. That's what that means. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. It means that everybody is looking to him to help. He's taking care of our our needs. You're going to leave this house of worship today. I think everybody's going to leave this house of worship today and go somewhere and have some food. You're going to go to your house, you're going to get in the refrigerator, and you're going to get some food. Or you're going to go down to a drive-thru or go to a restaurant, and you're going to get some food. And the Lord has made it possible so that you could have the means to do that, hasn't he? You can work because God has given you the strength to do it. You can open the refrigerator because he gave you an arm and a hand to do it. And there's something in there. Because he provided the dough for you to buy the dough (laughs) so you can eat the dough. (laughs) He's taking care of us. He feeds us. I've prayed that, that part of the Lord's Prayer so many times. Give us this day our daily bread. And I mean, every time I have prayed that prayer, I'm 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 always praying it after I've eaten. He's already done it day after day. In verse 16, the Lord, he sustains people and things. Thou openest thine hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Sustaining us. That's the desire. Keeping us going. His character is in verse 17. I'm sorry. Yeah, verse 17. Now notice his special attention here. 
Now, this, this, is, this is worth thinking about, special attention. Have you ever been the object of somebody's special attention? I took a little school desk yesterday uh, up to the uh, super thrift, thrift store to give it away. And uh, the guy who helped me unload it, he said, man, I remember sitting in these when I was in school. I remember that. He said, did you sit at a desk like this when you went to school? And how many of you sit in a little student desk? little one-person desk, and you had to slide in the side of it, you know, had the little hole in the bottom of it, you put your books in there. I sat in one. He said, did you sit in one of those desks? I said, yes, I did. I said, but my desk was kind of special <laughs> because my desk was right beside the teacher's desk. <laughs> when you went in the classroom, there was Mrs. Elmore was our teacher. She had her desk. There was one desk right beside her desk. I mean, right beside Right against it. And then there was the whole classroom full of desks. And I remember as a little guy going in there, finding my desk. The desk had a piece of tape on the desk. It had your name on it. And I remember going to my desk and sitting down. And I don't remember what happened, but before long, my desk was right up there beside the teacher. And I remember sitting there every day right beside Miss Elmore and looking at that fly swatter. <laughs> And thinking, dear Lord, let it be the plastic end. <laughs> Special, I was, I got her attention. I got a lot of her attention. Special attention. Now, the Lord doesn't treat everybody the same. He's, he's good to everybody. But he gives a little extra to the one he loves. He gives a little extra to the one who is looking to him and trusting in him. Now, I try, to be, I try to be nice to everybody. Don't you? Don't you try to be nice to everybody? I try to be nice to everybody. But I'm really nice to Valerie, Lauren, Mitchell, Leslie, Lacey, and Matt. Those seven people could probably get just about anything from me that they want. Because I love them. In a way, I don't love everybody else. They're special to me. And they treat me in a special way as well. Look at what the Bible says. The Lord, verse 18, the Lord is nigh. He's close unto all them that call upon him. To all that call upon him in truth or in sincerity. He's really close to them. He's really close to them because they're calling upon him. They're looking to him. Now, that word truth is important. It means sincerity because some people are just fakers. They're all talk. They're not really devoted to God. They're not really, they're not really in, into, into the Lord. It's all talk. All talk. And God knows who's telling the truth and who isn't. But to those who are calling upon Him in sincerity, those who are looking to Him and putting their confidence in Him, those who have known to call upon Him, to them He is close. He is close. Look at verse 19. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. Now this is what I'm trying to take, say about my wife and kids. is because they fear me, because they have reverence for me, I treat them in a way that corresponds to that. Now, if they, if they didn't give me the time of day, 
Guess what happens to the, to the, to the, uh, to the wallet? <laughs> it's closed. I don't know how many times the girls have come to me and said, Dad, could I have, could I please have $20, $10? Or I've been in the kitchen when, when, when they were going to school over the last year or so. I've seen them in the kitchen, you know, rat around in their bags getting ready to go to school. And I can see there's a little look of anxiety as they're trying to figure out how much money they get some candy while they're at school. And this is when they're little and when they're big. <laughs> and because I love them and they love me, I, I give them stuff. And because they love me, they do things for me. A lot of times I'll be sitting at the house. One day, Valerie, she was laughing at me because Matthew walked past. I said, hey, Matthew, bring me something from the kitchen. He brought me something from the kitchen. One of the girls came past. I said, hey, get me a cup of coffee. He brought me a cup of coffee. And then I asked one of them to bring me a book, and they brought me a book. And I said, bring me a pen. They brought me a pen. And Valerie said, it must be nice to be king. <laughs> but that's, that's all within a context of a relationship. And my friends, this is what you have with God. God is, he is, if you are looking to him, if you're trusting in him, this is why David is extolling him. This is what God has done for him. He's fulfilling my desires. He's helping me. In verse 19, he also will hear their cry and save them. He hears their complaint and does something about their difficulties. Then the Lord preserveth all them that love him. Preserves them. Keeps them going. Keeps them going. Charles Spurgeon said, those who respect the Lord, those who reverence the Lord's name, will also revere and obey his words. Now there in verse 20, that's a special status. It says they're preserved. That means guarded, protected. Spurgeon says it like this, they keep him in their love, and he keeps them by his love. They are favored and secured by his love. The Lord preserveth all them that love him. So love him. But notice the contrast in the last part of verse 20. But all the wicked, will he do what? Destroy. That's a stark contrast. It's preserved versus destroyed. It's guarded versus ruined. It's secured Versus shattered. The fate of the wicked. So what do the wicked look like? Well, the righteous love God. The righteous love God. The unrighteous do not love God. And I don't mean just in a... I don't mean just words... I mean, the righteous love him, and the wicked don't. <laughs> this, is, this is my friend Chuck right here. If I said, Chuck, I love you, you know what that means, Chuck? I love you, right? You know what that means, right? And if I said, Chuck, I hate you, <laughs> you know what that means? <laughs> We're tracking. If you say you love God, then there's going to be something about the way you are towards God that's going to be, it's going to support that, right? 
But if you say you love God, but then you live in a way, behave in a way that says you hate God, then you're lying. And the worst thing is you're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself. Love. In verse 21, the last, just two more things to say to you. Two more things. The psalmist says, in light of all these things, he's back to this, this, to this theme he begins in verse 1. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. My mouth. This is a devoted mouth. My mouth is going to be devoted to the praise of the Lord. Oh, may the Lord help us to let God's praise be in our mouth more often than it is. More often than it is. And then the last thing, the last phrase is, I take this to be a prayer. I take this to be a petition. Something that someone who has come to know God and love God and know how wonderful God is, there, here's his prayer. That all flesh would bless his holy name forever and ever. That everybody would come to know God in that great and wonderful way. That they would love him. And they would join in the great praise of the Lord. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng. Singing the praises of the Lord. Let's, let's pray a prayer together. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us one and all, we pray. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Okay, let's stand together. And we're going to sing. Uh, this is, the, this is a, kind of a hodgepodge of selections from Psalm 145. To the same tune we did earlier, O for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. We'll sing this as our final hymn. And then we'll uh, <clears throat> we'll be dismissed. Okay, so over a thousand songs to sing. Here, you ready? Sweet is the memory of Thy grace, my God, my heavenly King. Let age to age Thy righteousness in sounds of glory sing. How kind are Thy compassions, Lord! How slow Thine anger moves! But soon he sends his pardoning word to cheer the souls he loves. Creatures with all their endless race, thy power and praise proclaim. But saints who taste thy richer grace, delight to bless thy name. My lips shall dwell upon thy praise, and spread thy fame abroad. Let all the sons of Adam raise the honors of their God. All right, let's pray together. I'll give you a benediction, and then we'll be dismissed, and then there's going to be a business meeting in just a few minutes for the members uh, of the church. This is, here's, a, here's a long benediction from Hebrews. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night, the Lord willing.